Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 189. This episode is with the Head of Physical Development at West Ham United Women, Kamal Ismail. And Kamal came on to discuss his transition to the women's game because previously when I spoke to Kamal and when people came to our meeting way back at the start of 2020 at Colchester... Kamal was working at Colchester United and obviously gave a great presentation on the work that he was doing with the academy there at Colchester and first team as well. And since then, obviously, he's gone on to this new role at West Ham. So we went into the transition into his new role. We spoke about some carryovers from his role at Colchester to West Ham and then some of the differences as well. We talked about developing intent with our players. So in our sessions, that was one Big takeaway I took from Kamal's presentation way back when. Um, when he showed clips of players, absolutely everything that was being done in that program was being done with maximum intent, whether it was working the gym or whether it was speed stuff out on the pitch or um, change of direction work, whatever it was, everything was being done with great intent. So we discussed that in the podcast as well. And then we also talk about something that was, I know that was in Kamal's head at the moment and something they're going to be introducing into the programme at West Ham, which is benchmarking and how he's utilising the data from the benchmarking that they're putting in place with his players as well. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was really good to catch up with Kamal. He's doing some great work and, and a real asset now to the women's game as well as all the great work he's done at Colchester. And I hope you enjoy the episode and the chat with him. Before we get into the podcast, just a few things to cover. First of all, just had a little check on our reviews. We are short of a few views on iTunes. So if you could do us a massive favor, head over to iTunes now. Just pause the podcast, head on to iTunes and just give us a quick review. We've got, I think we've got 56 on there at the moment as I check it. If you can add a review on there, that would be awesome. If you could click the five stars and just a short comment on there, that would really help us out. And then if you do listen on Spotify, that's even easier because it is literally a click onto the review section, which is just underneath the title of the podcast. Click the five stars and there is no option to add any written review on Spotify. It's literally just clicking the five stars. If you could do one or both of those two things, I really would appreciate it because it does help us massively get the podcast out to more coaches, out to more practitioners. And then this has been a long time coming. I finally got a announcement of our next networking event. So I'm delighted to say that on Tuesday, the 21st of June, 6 till 9pm, we are going to be down at Go Perform in Reading, which looks like an incredible facility down there. Um, We're going to be there on Tuesday, 21st of June, and we've got two presenters on that uh, networking event. We've got Ollie Harrington, who is the first team sports scientist at Reading FC, and also Callum Stratford, who's the academy sports scientist at Reading. They're both going to be presenting for us. We have had a few tickets go already. Um, as this podcast goes out, the early bird price is available. So make sure you go and check it out. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab. You can get your tickets there. And anyone that's listening who is a community member, make sure you head on to the community first before buying your ticket because you get an extra discount on even on the early bird price as well by just go to Network Meeting News, the tab on the community, and there's a discount code in there for you to put in um, when you are purchasing your ticket and get some extra discount, just another perk of being a football fitness community member. So I hope to see as many people down at that meeting as possible. We've had a lot of requests about doing them down south, so it'd be great to get as many people at that event as we can, and it's set to be a great evening of networking, but also education with the presentations from the lads. So just before we dive into the episode, I've got to say a huge thank you to our sponsors. First of all, Black Box Fitness. Black Box are the world's best training equipment, accessory and apparel brand. Black Box believes that training isn't just a checkbox on your to-do list. Training is a lifestyle. Continually seeking your highest performance in the gym, on the pitch, at home and in everyday life. To perform at your best, you need the best and Black Box has you covered. So go and check them out on social media at BLK Box Fitness. And then a huge thank you to Rezzle. 
Resolve is the world's leading cognitive training platform for sport. By using VR technology, Resolve and Player 22 can create game style scenarios and recreate pressure to help you prepare for the real thing. So check those guys out on social media at Resil, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. And then also massive, massive thank you to our newest sponsor, Hytro. Have you tried Hytro, the wearable blood flow restriction solution that is unlocking better recovery in players? While many may have used BFR for rehab, Hytro are demonstrating the huge impact BFR can have on recovery and performance when used after competition or training. Through their innovative design, BFR straps are integrated into shorts, delivering BFR to groups of players safely and more conveniently than ever before. So check them out. Uh, the website is hytro.com, H-Y-T-R-O.com, or you can email warren at hytro.com to find out how Hytro can help accelerate the recovery of your athletes. And we also ran a giveaway for one of our community members and also someone on our email list recently for filling out a quick survey. So we announced those um, two winners over on social media who are both going to be getting a brand spanking new pair of uh, BFR Hytro shorts. So they will be delivered out this week. So well done to our two winners. Let's get into it now then. So episode 189 with the head of physical development at West Ham United Women, Kamal Ishmael. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 189. I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast. I'm not sure why it's the first time, Kamal, because I feel like you should have been on already. But Kamal Ishmael joins me, uh, head of physical development at West Ham United Women. So Kamal, thank you very much for coming on. Hey, thanks for thanks for inviting us, and uh, good to see you again. Been a, been a while since the last time. It has, mate. It has. And anyone that came to the Colchester networking event um, would have seen Kamal present there, which a few things happened in the world directly after that meeting. Um, that's how, how much of an effect that Kamal's presentation had on the world. It just blew it up. It was yeah. that good. Yeah. <laughs> Not that again then. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's good to see you, mate. And um, obviously a change of roles and stuff, which we'll get into in a little bit. But do you want to kick us off, like similar to how you did at the, the event, with your background, your career, and then just take us up to what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, um, so I, I think I think I, I covered a lot of it, but to, to be fair, like I've just always been engulfed in sport, competition, everything. You know, I, I played and competed quite a lot in things when I was younger, but I think like most of us realised that I was never going to be, you know, playing at that top level. And I, But I just knew I wanted to be around it and engulfed in it and um uh yeah just wanted to strive towards that so um I did my my bachelor's at University of Brighton um a lot of good things and a lot of things which I I, I didn't enjoy you know and I think that's that's just um that's part of part of anything and I think that that kind of helped guide me towards the things which I did enjoy a lot more of um and I still keep in contact with you know quite a lot of people from there and um uh even uh, Gary Brickley uh he is uh, supervising me on my basis at the moment, so hopefully finish that off soon. But um, but yeah, made made a lot of good contacts. Um, left there and wasn't a hundred percent sure on what I wanted to pursue, but I, I knew that sports science and SNC was kind of the avenue I wanted to um, grow on a little bit more. And I did a couple of internships. Um, <clears throat> was able to uh, in, in my final year worked with the um, badminton team uh, over there, the female badminton team, and then. After I graduated, internship with um, Wimex Tennis Academy down in Chingford uh, with uh, a guy called Octai Hussein, uh, who was fantastic, helped me a lot and kind of made me realise, you know what, that's what I want to do. Uh, how do I do it? And, um, you know, you know, when you're, you're looking at job ads and you're thinking, yeah, I've got that, I've got that, not got that, not got that. So I kind of used that to help guide what I wanted to do a bit more and um, uh, applied for master's course at Salford um and got on and it was probably the best thing I ever did you know like um honestly the the lecturers and the students there were fantastic and just helped me grow helped help drive me in a direction I wanted to go in and um it was fantastic um and they opened up so many doors in terms of like other opportunities and I was able to uh, work with Bradford Bulls Rugby League um team uh, team Northwest Netball 
um and you know they uh they 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 allowed me to help out with um some of the undergrad lectures and stuff as well so i've got a, a full all-rounded all-rounded experience um and uh yeah just the lecturers in in, in uh in particular you know paul comfort um paul jones john mcmahon and a couple of the phd guys uh chris thomas and tom de santos worked with all of them we were able to publish a couple of things together as well. It, it was just fantastic, honestly. It really helped me. Um, and I, I even thought about staying up there, you know. Um, but then something at Charlton popped up with uh, a few guys that um, I did my undergrad course with, you know, Harry Behrman uh, and uh, Joe Ranson and stuff like that. And they were fantastic. Got in, interned for a little bit and then got a full-time position there. Uh, so, yeah, do your internships because... Fingers crossed, they they open up, they open up doors, um, and yeah, spent three four years there. Brilliant, moved up from nines to sixteens to eighteens. Worked all across the PDP, helped out with the first team sporadically. Like yeah, just fantastic. Really really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, I, I I still love Charlton. I still go to their games every now and again when I can. Like uh, really good, um, and uh, yeah, you know I I. Having moved up from nines to sixteens to eighteens, helping out with the twenty threes, helped out with the first team a couple of times. I thought, okay, yeah, I want to, I want to keep going, I want to keep pushing. Um, but at the time, nothing, I knew nothing above was going to change. And um, even now, you know, the the first team guys are still there, which is fantastic. You know, they're doing a great job. Um, and so I started looking elsewhere. And uh, head of head of academy sports science popped up at Colchester, uh, and um, <clears throat> yeah. Working with Perry for that season was fantastic. Uh, he he helped me. Uh, he allowed me to help out with the first team every now and again as well. And then, uh, yeah, COVID struck and uh, all went to mess. But uh, the first team finished in the playoffs, which was amazing. And so we actually worked all the way through. I came in and I helped out in that um, that little playoff push. And we were unfortunate to not go up, but overall we had a great season. You know, we um, we were part of the team which pushed on through the Carabao Cup and um, got, got, got to the latter rounds, uh, latter rounds against, you know, Man U. And um, yeah, the, the, the playoff was a really uh, interesting experience, you know, having, having watched the, the Charlton promotion through the playoffs the season before, and then being involved in that, that playoff push under, under COVID restrictions and it really, really surreal. Um, but then Perry moved on to Millwall that season and I was fortunate enough to to get the first team role and um, did that for a couple of seasons and now moved on to West Ham Women. Brilliant. And so we've just been talking before we start recording. You've been at West Ham since November, did you say? Yeah, yeah, November. Uh, so six, six, just over six months now, I think. Yeah. Brilliant. And I think it'd be, re- it'd be good to start with that transition to the women's game and I know it's six months in, um, but initially, what have been the sort of similarities, differences? Like, how have you found that transition? Yeah, so, I mean, it was really exciting when it came up. Um, and I spoke to a few people about it. I spoke to uh, Owen at Arsenal, uh, and I've got a Harry McCulloch at Chelsea, and just kind of felt out, you know, the women's game and how it is and stuff like that. I, I, didn't, want it to, I didn't want to go in blind. Um, and I've worked with female athletes before, so that wasn't really my concern. I just kind of wanted to know, like, so how is the WSL? Is it is it pushing? And I mean, especially since the last World Cup, I think, especially in England, the the women's game has really been flying. And um, to be fair, come in and I've not looked back. It's been fantastic, um, and all of the players have been amazing. And uh, yeah, the staff have been good as well. And I think, um, you know, Paul Konchesky's just being appointed as the manager too. So uh, I think the club is, it's it's starting to throw its weight behind it. And yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, we can do some really big things in the coming years, but you know, the, the club's got a plan and uh, I think my, myself coming in and we've brought in a couple other uh, people too. I think we're, we're really trying to do things the right way uh, and really push on. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to be fair, really exciting. I always like asking people when they've gone into a new role, like what their approach is, because yeah. I think some everyone takes it slightly differently. I know majority of people now aren't going to say I go in and I rip it all up and I start from scratch. I know that's the case, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting yeah. to get into your mindset. 
going into a new club, obviously meeting players, meeting staff. There might be some people there that you have a relationship already with. There might not. So yeah. what were those, if we take you back to maybe the first few weeks or yeah. even the first few days, like what was your sort of initial approach to that? Yeah, so really good question because this was something which I really had to sit down and think about a lot. Um, I've never moved places mid-season, so it was a complete different sensation. And uh, I went in and I, I said to everyone, look, I'm not going to change much. If anything, I'm not going to try and change much at all. Because even if I rip everything up and put in the perfect plan, for lack of better words, it could all just go to shit, you know, because uh, you, you change too much mid-season. The, the players are used to a certain programme. Uh, you, you spike workloads or you dip workloads or you end up changing things here and there. It, it could all just go, it could all go peak tong. So, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I came in and I, I really tried to not change too much straight away. Um but the, a couple of things which I really, really had to kind of do was um, that, that there was no kind of individualized gym programs. So I, I, um, that was the first thing I did, but we didn't really have much testing data to go off of either. So I sat down with the physios and we, we worked over, you know, um, uh, previous injuries. And uh, I sat down with the players actually one-to-one -one as well and just spoke with them. So you know, if, if a player hates back squatting, but they love hex bar deadlifting, then yeah, like, what do I care? We're, you know, we're getting the same squat movement in. So fine. So um, yeah, that's how it kind of went in. Just try not to change too much. <clears throat> try to feed in a few things and just try to individualize things a little bit more. Um, I was speaking with the, the head coach at the time. He didn't really um, periodize the week too much. He just kind of, he wanted to do 11 v 11 most days and I mean when you go to some places that, that that is going to be the case so I just had to sit down with him and speak about look we're you know we need to get more of a small area day in here more of a big area day in here we want our high speed day in here we want you know take the foot off the pedal here no we don't want to do a two-hour session you know so it was just kind of like speaking with everyone a little bit I guess and just trying to work in what I wanted or what I felt the team needed in certain areas and, uh, you know, you're going to be told no at times and then your, your advice is going to be taken on at times as well. So um, it, it was definitely a different sensation, um, but a really, a really steep learning curve in terms of like that, that people man management and stuff like that. And just kind of trying to build that department up from scratch um, and just, yeah. And then um, that, that's kind of how the first few weeks went. And then as we got closer to Christmas, uh the, the women's game's got that christmas break which is amazing not had that in years <laughs> so um yeah we, we use that time to get some testing data in and um you know the, the boys academy here have been brilliant um we're on the same site with the under 18s at chadwell heath so um uh we, we were able to use their um you know nord boards and groin bars and stuff like that and we've got our own force plates which is fantastic so we're able to get like a full kind of athletic performance spectrum tested to be fair and then so since the since the new year we've kind of used that to help inform a little bit more of that individualization and um yeah it's really kicked on to be fair um and hopefully we can build on it next year brilliant that, that's one thing i wanted to go into as well was possibly talking about what doors or options have opened up to you with the move because going from Colchester to West Ham, obviously West Ham being the Premier League club, um, resources, facilities, things like that. Is what, and I know you've mentioned a few then, but is there anything else where you feel like it's opened up options for you with your programming that you maybe didn't have available before? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of a different world, to be fair. You know, like... Um, yeah, um, I mean, uh, at, at Colchester, I think we we definitely did the best that we had with the resources that we had at, available to us. But a lot of it was, you know, kind of just like, all right, well, we we don't have access to this, so what are we going to do? And it was kind of working around, working around stuff. And, you know, especially under, I, I'm sure everyone that worked in uh, football and sport and you know, even life during COVID times had to, had to adapt things but you know not able to use indoor facilities and the club wasn't willing to uh sh shell out for a um 
like a, a big tent gazebo kind of thing to, to put gym equipment under. So then you're just kind of working around things and just trying to make the best of the current situation. Whereas at West Ham, everything's been a little bit more just easier, I guess, is the word, you know, like um, more, more access to just more, um, which is uh, incredible. But um, yeah, I think uh, having those previous experiences have been fantastic because then when something isn't available here, it's like, well, hang on, it's not the end of the world, you know, like this is this is the this is the fix, this is the workaround. Uh, and so, yeah, some of that, that problem solving is obviously going to come in handy, definitely. But um, yeah, and then in terms of like more, um just i feel like uh, it's definitely opened up a lot more doors in terms of working with other practitioners um so you know i've had multiple conversations with uh you know roof over at the uh england fa uh who's currently working with the pdp under 18s under 19s i believe at, at england uh jack sharkey who's obviously just taken over at australia women had multiple conversations with him so it's it's opened up a lot more doors in terms of uh, liaising and working with other other practitioners in the game and that's that's been fantastic and I think we're all you know we're, we're all realizing look we're, we're in the same boat and let's let's help each other push on because that it's it's better it's better not only for our athletes but for, for the women's game as well brilliant I remember asking you Kamal when you did the presentation for us you showed clips and obviously it was a really quick insight into the program at Colchester but a, a takeaway automatically for me from both the work that you did and what Perry was doing as well was whether we call it buy-in, whether we call it intent in the sessions, that's what I saw from every clip that you put up. It wasn't people going through the motions. Players obviously respected and understood a lot of the things they were doing and probably why they were doing it as well. So one thing I was going to ask you was taking that, obviously being at that club, knowing the players, knowing the programme and embedding that in, then leaving and going into a new role. And it might be quite early to ask this, only six months in. But yeah, yeah. have you taken that sort of philosophy and maybe tried to recreate it or whether it is a case of building a new one at West Ham? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think you, you can ever completely replicate something from one club to another club because that you know there's different demands there's different sets setups there's different people different infrastructure different everything so um you, you know when people say oh let's do something the Borussia Dortmund way well no like to take things from it but don't just copy it word for word because it, it won't work for you because it's not going to fit into your your thing so that's kind of you know th those first couple of weeks where I was fe feeling things out feeding things in um and uh you know so just just an example uh the, the pre-ab and uh pre-activation stuff before training when i came in um uh the girls would just grab their foam rollers grab a mat sit down for 10-15 minutes do their bits a couple extra stretches and then that was it go out to train and so and then i spoke with a couple of players because it's not something which i wanted to just rip up because i i could see that they actually enjoyed doing that so I was like, okay, well, look, rather than giving you 10, 15 minutes to do that, you'll have five minutes to do that. And then five minutes, we're going to go over and we're going to do a different, a different circuit or a different routine or something altogether. So I think part of that coming in, seeing what was currently going on within the group, seeing what the current setup was, and then feeding a few of my things in there, speaking with the players, speaking with the staff, figuring out what was working, what wasn't working, what they didn't like from the previous regime and what they did like, and then what they didn't like from what I brought in as well. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff which the girls will turn around and be like, no, didn't like that. It's like, all right, no problem. Well, I'll do something different, which is going to get me the exact same thing what I, I, I wanted to get out of that session. So a bit of trial and error and um, a lot of conversations with 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 the players. And I think um, we're, we're definitely getting there in terms of that. Um, and I think a large part of it is just trying to encourage that ownership and that autonomy within the group. And I think, um, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the head of, um, head of performance and wellness, uh, Jenny Coe is, uh, uh, fantastic at that as well. And she's, she's supported a lot of that kind of ownership and autonomy pieces. And, um, yeah, I think the the players have really, you know, gradually bought into it. And even a, a lot of the players which hated Jim at the start, when I first came in, you know, we've worked with them, We've altered things. 
to to exercises which they did which they did like you know rather rather than trying to force a player to do something which they don't like if, if there's something which they do like it and it gets the exact same results then let, let's do it you know so um i think we're definitely getting there and i think next season will be that big you know kind of step into into going there um but i think a, a, a large part of that huge buy-in has also been the um the testing you know we, we, we've been trying to test a lot more regularly uh and i think they've they've really appreciated just seeing numbers uh and seeing gps data and that kind of stuff and you know, seeing all the green where they've been improving and stuff like that, I think that's 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 really bought a lot of that buy-in within the group. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? And, that, and that it's a thing that I think a lot of coaches struggle with is when, like you mentioned before, about the girls questioning possibly things you bring in or saying they don't like it. And that's that's the point in time where you can either find a middle ground. Yeah. And, and create more respect between the two sides or that's when you get the separation of saying, no, no, it's, it's my way. And then yeah. that's, that's where you've got to tread carefully, isn't it? And it sounds like you've going at having those conversations and finding out more about each individual it, in the long term, it allows you to get more out of what you want to get from the program, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, look, there are times where you have to put your foot down, but overall, if, if what they're asking for isn't, isn't you know that out of the question what why not listen to them and why not take their opinion on board because at the end of the day it's going to increase that buy-in it's not going to affect your program in a negative way and all it is actually going to do is it's going to increase your buy-in within the whole group as well you know players talk so if 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 a if, if you just had a big bust up with a, a player because you said no you have to do front squat you're not allowed to do back squat in this program they're just going to go into the change room and you know bite your head off to all of the players so uh, if if it's not something which is that serious, you know why not why not take their opinion on board? And how do you get around the players then, Kamal? Because you're going to have a, a squad of a number of a, a reasonable number of players there. And this is one thing I've asked a few people before: is that to have those in depth kind of conversations and find out like each individual? Are mm-hmm. you just trying to catch them at the point that you can catch them, or are you trying to officially book something in? Like, how do you go about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It is tough and it's not easy. And I think it's something which you have to actually go out of your way to do. But I'll try to, I think you've got to know players. So I know that there's a few players who would hate to sit down in a formal way and have that conversation. So I I know that I just would not do that with those individuals unless I really had to. But what I would do is I'll, I'll just catch them in the hallway. Or at lunchtime, if, 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 they're, if they're all right with it, I'll just sit down and have a little chat with them. Or, you know, even during prehab, during that first five minutes where I give them a little bit of time to themselves, that's where I'll just sit down and have a, a little conversation with them. Um, but then I know that there's some players who will want to sit down, go in extreme depth, ask a billion questions. And so I'll just say to them, look, do you, do you want to have a meeting tomorrow, you know, at, at two o'clock after training? So I think a little bit of that is... The man management and just knowing your players, knowing who wants to do what, um, and just being being open and uh, av- available to them. Um, and I think we're 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 quite fortunate here at West Ham where the the club and hierarchy actually allocates specific time for if if players want to sit down and go over clips or want to you know have a chat with the the gaffer or the assistant or the GK coach or whoever. And I'll fit into that. You know, I'll, I'll have certain uh, certain time slots where if players just want to come up to me and speak about stuff we will do that but um then especially around you know um like uh, after we've just done a, a batch of testing you know I'll, I'll try to sit down with the players and you know go over their testing and uh, some of them will have concerns as to why they've gotten faster but their kind of movement jump hasn't gotten higher and you know j- just things like that so I think a, a bit of it is knowing your players and a bit of it is just you know, making sure that you're going out of your way and showing them that you're available, whether it's just ad hoc or if it is a more, you know, sit down, formal conversation. There's not been a much better time to join our online community because as well as our latest webinar by Yuri Pagel, which has gone down incredibly well with our members, I know loads of people have watched it and taken loads from it on plyometrics in football, We've also got some really exciting stuff coming up over the next few weeks. New webinars, 
on things like hamstrings, hamstring training, speed development, cognitive training um, from experts within the field. We've also got some new, new partnerships to um, announce very soon as well and new presentations from our upcoming events or so from the Reading event. And we will be following the announcement of the Reading event with a couple of other events coming soon as well. So all that is coming onto the community. So make sure if you've not already claimed your free month trial, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab at the top, sign up there. It'll give you one month free on the community. After that free month, it's only £4.99 per month and you get continued access to everything that's on there. But in, then you get the um, ability to join our WhatsApp group as well, which is where we have some great discussions and conversations around all sorts of different topics around physical preparation. So go and claim your free month if you've not done it already. If you are a member, make sure you go and check out Yuri's presentation and his webinar and go and, and keep an eye out for the new ones coming very soon as well. Um, yeah, And if you want the link to sign up, go to footballfitfed.com click the community tab and get yourself signed up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Kamal. And I know you've mentioned it as like a kind of a motivational tool in terms of the benchmarking, but it's obviously going to give you a lot of information as well. What was in place before Kamal? And then is it just been a case of like additional work that you've added in? Or is it again been a case of just seeing what they were doing and tweaking what they were doing before? In terms of what? The, in terms of the, the benchmarking testing. and the testing, yeah. Oh, the benchmarking. So... Before I came in, a lot of the benchmarking was based around um, England's, the, the England women's set up benchmarking, um, which it, it is good. There's nothing wrong with it. And we, we have got data on it, which is so important because the, the women's game, there's just not a lot of data out there, unfortunately. Um, so it is a real good place to start. The only thing with that is I think it's only four or five tests. So it, it just doesn't quite give you like a full breakdown um and so i came in i just wanted more you know like I, I i want to be greedy i want as much data as i can because the more data i have uh if i don't use it at least i've got it in the background and if i do use it then it can help guide whether we need to uh, whether a player needs you know more asymmetrical work whether they need whether they need more strength or power or um whatnot whether they have any deficiencies etc uh and it it will also as long as we've got that data if someone gets injured then at least we've got you know benchmarks to get back for and then if we're talking about you know becoming a more athletic team and a more athletic club you know we, we need to know well yeah she is an athlete and here's the stats to you know support it so um that's where i think that relationship with the uh the the boys academy has improved and become, you know, really, really quite viable to us because the the, the more access to that kind of stuff that we've got, uh, it's only going to help our program kind of improve and um, push on. Can you go into a bit of detail on that then, Kamal, in terms of what they were doing already and what those five tests were and then maybe what you wanted to then add as well? Yeah, so um, in terms of the FA tests, let me get it up. They are the, the 1K time trial, uh, the flying 20 sprint, uh, the Nordic curl, the prone ISO, again on the Nord board, and the 10-5 the hop test and counter movement jump. So um, at least, you know, it, it covers it covers a little bit of, you know, hamstring strength, sprint ability, uh, endurance on the 1K, and some jumping and power stuff with the the 105 and the the CMJ um but then what we've added in is we you know we we've been able to use uh what bike we've been able to use uh nor uh, sorry we've been able to use the the groin bar we've been able to use um force plates for more jumping tests and for mid five pulls and um stuff like that so we've been able to add in a lot more uh and the the flying 20 England recorded off of the GPS uh whereas with timing gates, we've been able to break down, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, et cetera. So uh, it, it's just more data that we can use in, in terms of, you know, what we think an athlete might, might need to help push on. Um, and then uh, so that, that was one of the biggest things coming from the men's game to the women's game. The men's game, if you want to know what the 
the the, the average camp movement jump for a league one footballer is a quick Google search and you'll get it in a couple of minutes. Mm. Whereas with uh, with um, the the women's game, honestly, I think uh, there's I found one paper which mentioned counter movement jumps, and um, that 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 was it. You know, outside of that. There's, there's quite a lot of GPS data. UEFA and FIFA have been really good um, in terms of uh, publishing uh, some of the Champions League and um, uh, World Cup uh, GPS data, which has been really good, helped us and uh, helped us set in certain goals and benchmarks that we want. But um, overall, I think us as a club, we, we, we're, we're looking at it and we're thinking, well, this is something that hopefully, you know, we can add to and, you know, help, help the women's game push on and be better and more, more, um, more data led. Yeah. All these things that ha- that come in, help you, don't they? The, the additional data from other clubs, countries, um, that's going to help, isn't it? But then obviously the additional things that you're going to be collecting anyway, um, additional tests that you've been, been putting in place is that's all going to help with the programming, isn't it? And then I suppose the, the real art of that is selecting the right data then, isn't it? Because it's okay having it, but then what, what's been your approach to saying, right, this gets not necessarily disregarded, but not as focused on as much, but this is what we need to be focusing on. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, not just that, but, um, you know, I went to the, um, the UKCA female athlete workshop on Friday down in Chichester. And one of the, one of the biggest things from the workshop was um, that, that there are uh, papers out there on female athletes and stuff, but the uh, the reliability of a lot of them is, is is not good enough either. So I think that's that's part of the 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 struggle that we've got at the moment. There's not a lot of data out there. Some of the data that's out there is not reliable enough either. So you know I think we're we're, we're kind of at the um, at the foundations here where you know, we, we can really help push and drive the, the, the data that's out there uh, to just be better and more, 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 more gold standard collection. What was the case with the reliability then, Kamal? Why is that, why is that the case? I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, certain. Uh, it was just something that was brought up at the uh, UKCA workshop uh, okay. on Friday. Um, so, uh, and a lot of it was around the menstrual cycle as well. Right. So uh, I think part of it was the um, the uh, informing on the the certain phases and stuff. Right. Um, so um, yeah, there's just a, a lot of work that needs to go into it. And uh, uh, but I think everything is going in the right direction. Well, that shows the exciting times, doesn't it? Because uh, that lack of research allows for such a big opportunity for clubs and practitioners like yourself doesn't it to to supply hopefully supply some of that and nudge it all in the right direction definitely and i think that's where you know links with universities uh could uh, could be so important within the next couple years uh in terms of helping helping push the game on in the right direction what's been your approach just finally on the benchmarking stuff in terms of frequency are, are there some, has that been like a, a battery of testing that you're going to be completing throughout the season? Or is this, is some of this stuff going to be repeated pretty regularly to give you more um, immediate feedback? Yeah. So I think um, it's something which we need to have a conversation about next, going into next year. And we have got a couple um, projects in place and we are in conversation with, uh, a, a university and also with uh, with Vault, our um, our uh, force plate provider and stuff like that about uh, a few projects that we could potentially be involved in. Um, but I think as things stand, I think we want to do you know a full a full battery of tests at least three or four times throughout the year uh, to you know see how things are progressing and you know inform us, check that we're on the right lines. Um, but you know, if if anyone does want to go back and watch uh, what I presented uh, back at the uh, the, the conference, um, you'll you'll see a lot of the wellness stuff that I did, and that's definitely something which I want to bring into going in next year. And I think with the with the increase in facilities that we've got, and you know, m- more data coming out now on you know ten five 
tests and what bike tests and stuff like that. I think it's something which we could definitely incorporate within our program to, to utilize during wellness and um, uh, see how, you know, we, we can use that to inform us on a week to week basis rather than, you know, just a, a, a yearly quarterly basis. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I remember you going into that, actually. You covered loads of great information. I know a lot of people took some good stuff away from that, so people can go and check it out. Um, Kamal, in terms of the programme going forward, is there anything, I know we've covered quite a bit there in terms of what you're going to move on to and the sort of ideas you want to like add into the programme. Is there anything else you feel like we've left out? Um, I think I think we're just at a stage where I think uh, the women's game is growing so much and... Um, a lot of the clubs just need to keep up with it, really. Um, and I think the where we need to be a bit careful is that that top three is just getting further and further ahead of everyone. And um, uh, especially with it, only three Champions League places, the, the rest of the league really needs to, you know, try to keep up and keep pushing. And I think um, uh, Manchester United, Tottenham and even us, you know, we did really well and, I think more and more teams are starting to take points off of, you know, that top three and um, e e even Birmingham, you know, who unfortunately got relegated this year, that they, they took a few points off of that top three. So I think just where, where we need to go is we need to try to bridge that gap. And I think we slowly are, we slowly will. And um, just as a department, that's, that's definitely one of the goals that we're pushing towards. And there's a lot of, a lot of things going on behind the scenes to how we can kind of, we can kind of do that. Brilliant, mate. Well, what we'll do, Carl, is let's move on to some of our quick fire questions on, on the end of the podcast. So the first one being, who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Octai uh, from Wimex, who's now working over in Ireland, was definitely a big one. Um, you know, he, he, he helped guide me a lot during that kind of year between bachelors and masters and helped, helped me kind of figure out a few things and help guide me towards, you know, keeping on and progressing and stuff like that. Um, but the biggest ones have definitely got to be the lecturers over at Salford, you know, Paul Comfort, Paul Jones, John McMahon. Um, they, they, they definitely helped me and helped open my eyes up to a lot of things and helped get my foot in the door in a couple places and really pushed on and yeah, just loved it. Um, and uh, yeah, th those would definitely be the biggest influences so far. Brilliant. And then what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, I think, I think my, um, my, my adaptability and fluidity, definitely, you know, I think when, when you, when you look at a lot of the places that I've worked at before, problem solving and adapting and kind of working around have definitely been so important into making sure that the program runs and keeps going. Um, and, uh, on top of that, I, I learned very quickly, uh, when I, you know, got the first team position at Colchester, your, your need to be organized, organized and ev have everything in plan and everything in place and knowing exactly what you wanted to do throughout the rest of the week and what you wanted to do next week, etc. It became so vital. Uh, so I think, yeah, my, my organization has definitely improved tenfold and a bit of a strength for you. Brilliant, mate. And then you just mentioned it a little bit already, but I always ask about your approach to CPD or continued learning because there's so many different ways you can go about that now. Um, so many sort of things that are accessible to us. What's your approach? Yeah, I, I love it. And I think it's it's important and vital, really. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think you need to have a wide range of CPDs to get your foot in the door. I think it, uh, I think experience comes first and foremost and I think that's that's one of the reasons why I've been able to really push on you know just I, I just said yes to everything you know and so I, I remember what, what one one of my first weeks up at Salford I was just sitting at home and I got a message from Chris Thomas saying uh, oh I'm doing a testing with um, the netball team next week do you fancy helping out and I didn't I didn't know him well at the time I didn't know the netball team I didn't know anything I just I, yeah yeah, hundred percent. Happy to happy to help out. I think so. I think experience and first hand experience comes first and foremost. But um, 
CPDs can just help push things on. And I, I said it earlier on in the, this chat, you know, I was, I was looking through job descriptions and yeah, bachelors, I've got that masters. No, I've not quite got that UKCA. I haven't got that yet. So, you know, CPDs are, are important in terms of, you know, helping take the, the next steps and pushing on. And, um, you know, I, I've done my Altis, I've uh, done uh, Exos, I'm finishing off my basis at the moment. I've done the NSCA, CSCS, and then, I've you know, even during lockdown where there was nothing but online stuff going on, I was able to, you know, do, do, do a few of the FA courses and the FIFA medical course. And yeah, when I was working at the tennis academy, I did my tennis coaching level one, like, I just think it's it's important to to do CPDs and they can help open your eyes up and uh, you just see different things and yeah, but experience is definitely first and foremost. It's really interesting that, isn't it? And I, I love that you said that because loads of people have said the same thing. But for some reason, we get caught in the trap of looking at the other way, don't we? We get caught into the trap of making sure oh, we need all these qualifications first. And then experience will come somewhere down the line and the whole flipping it around the other way, I think is a great bit of advice because you, like you say, if you take these opportunities that are out there for everyone, really, if you go and look for them, then mm. you never know where that's going to lead to, even if it's a relationship with a person, do you? Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people think that the CPDs are more important because nowadays it's, it's almost impossible to get a job unless you have got UKCA or the CSCS or you can, you can prove that you're working towards it. And I get, I, I get it, but there's so many opportunities out there where, which don't need it. You know, I, I worked at Enfield Town Football Club for six, for uh, 12 to 18 months. Um, and they, 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 they didn't require anything. They just required your time. And that, that, that was a Ryman football team. And you learn so much during that, you know, you get given lots of responsibilities. It's only a five or 10 hour week, uh, 10 hour a week gig. And, um, that, that that could be the difference between you getting, you know, that job that you applied for in a year's time or, or not getting it. Um, and, you know, if, if you are, if, if, if you're not currently doing your UKCA or CSCS, but you're looking at doing your basis, you, you need those hours of, um, uh, uh, of work to put on your, uh, your reflective profile. So yeah, get out there and do, do, do the, do the hands-on stuff because that, 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 that's what's going to make you a better practitioner. And the CPDs are just, you know, the extras to help get your foot in the door later on. And um, once your foot is in the door, expand your philosophies and stuff. Brilliant, mate. It's been class, Kamal. Really good to catch up. I know it's been uh, a brief conversation and you do go into loads more detail. I know it was um, in the Colchester role, but if people want to check that out, they can. Um, but it's been great to catch up. If people have got questions or they literally just want to reach out and have a chat, like where would you direct them? Oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter and all that stuff, but uh, I, 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 I reply to everyone on LinkedIn. So yeah, look me up on LinkedIn. And if, 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 if anyone wants a chat or if anyone wants just a quick message, more than happy to, more than happy to have that. Perfect, mate. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. It's great to catch up and then um, all the best going into next season as well. Oh, thank you very much. Cheers for having us on. It was great to catch up with Kamal and he's obviously doing some brilliant work now at West Ham. So it was great to discuss the transition um, and the move that's took place since we caught up way back at the start of 2020. So big thank you to him for coming on the podcast. Takeaways on this one for me. I think one of the first things that he mentioned was getting the experience first and foremost and the fact that, and this applies to so many people that I speak to, that just taking opportunities when they come, saying yes at first, like especially early on in your career, say yes to opportunities, make the most of those opportunities. They might not lead to anything specifically at that club in that role, but you never know where that experience is going to take you and always try and take something from it, some sort of skill, some sort of experience that you can reflect on because the amount of practitioners that I speak to that are working at all sorts of different levels now can think back to opportunities they had earlier in the career and take positives, even negatives, or just lessons away from those. So that's the first thing for me that I think is really, really important. Um, the other thing was Kamal mentioned about moving clubs and the transition, but also the time of the year that he moved clubs in the, in the middle part of the season. 
So it wasn't a time of the year where he's going to go in and drastically change things, even if that was his intent in the first place, which I'm, I'm pretty sure it isn't with the majority of people. But it's being aware of they're in the flow of the season. Um, we can't disrupt things too much, but it's more the whole looking, seeing what's going on, um, then deciding the, 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 the low-hanging fruit, some of the first things that you can put in place and first changes you can make. Um, but being very aware of that time of season and maybe that there are different points in the season that could be utilised better for in terms of making changes. And then the other thing, just finally, is is getting to know your players. And this comes back to what we talk about a lot. It's empathy with players, it's that relationship, it's communication, all words that we use time and time again on the podcast, but we can't speak about it enough. Getting to know the individuals, we are dealing with individuals within a team setting, so it's learning how to manage those individuals. And more than anything, it's all the different personalities. If you've got a squad of 20 to 30 players, you've got 20 to 30 personalities in there. Everyone's slightly different. Everyone have likes and dislikes. Everyone will have different past experiences of whether it's SNC or sports science or whatever. Maybe they are good, maybe they're bad. So you've got to understand that. And I think one of the only ways that we truly understand um, and can engage and get the most out of our players is conversations. And how we go about that is an, is probably a different, slightly different discussion. I know Kamal spoke about it a little bit and I spoke about it in a few previous podcasts as well. But that's the main thing is, is that relationship with the players, having those discussions and creating an environment where players feel like they can open that discussion with you. That might not happen initially in the first sort of few weeks we're working with players. Everyone's probably worked with people before where it takes a bit of time to open up that relationship, but it will come eventually if you provide the right opportunities. So they were my takeaways from the chat with Kamal. Um, Go and give him a follow over on Twitter. His um, handle is K-E-M-I-S-M-A-I-L. So go and give him a follow over on Twitter and also on LinkedIn as well. Um, you can connect with him over on LinkedIn and I'm sure he'd, he'd, be, he'd welcome any questions or um, any conversations with anyone that wants to reach out to him too. So huge thank you for Kamal for coming on the podcast and freeing up some time for me. I've got some big podcasts coming up over the next few weeks. Really excited to get them recorded and get them out there. So keep an eye out for it. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, please do us a massive favour and leave those reviews over on iTunes um, click the five stars and leave a short comment and then even easier on Spotify just under the title just click the review and click the five stars for us it would help massively so thank you again for listening really appreciate all your support and I'll speak to you again next week in episode 190